0: So you hear me
1: talk about compassion a lot and it's for that very reason because compassion is not about their reaction, it's about your actions and that is deeply empowering. So you can feel compassion in someone just through deep listening, through understanding, through a body position, the way you look at someone and, and not worry about, oh, are they actually going to change? Is, am I attached to how they
0: feel about it? It's It's more about your actions. Hi, my name is Andy Ramage. Welcome to my podcast where I attempt to share the story behind the story of thought leaders, authors, athletes, everyday heroes, and alcohol free adventurers who have found meaning and purpose through their work while also sharing some of their greatest wisdom. Let's do this. Can you believe it? This is the last episode of the series. My aim for the first series was really to warm up the podcast and discover how our guests found their meaning and purpose in what they do now, or their arete, you know, that lovely ancient Greek word that I always come back to, to fulfill one's potential, to reach meaning and purpose and achieve excellence in your life. And having launched almost 30 episodes at this stage with tens of thousands of listens, it's time to get back to my roots. So for the second series, we're going to talk about all things alcohol-free. I plan to share some of the most inspirational stories from my alcohol-free heroes and introduce you to the world's leading alcohol-free experts and authors to enlighten us with their wisdom. I can't wait. So I want to close the series with one of my favorite conversations with my good friend, Nilesh, who's someone I admire greatly for his work as a lifestyle medicine practitioner and coach. I've helped train some of his medical students on the wonders of going alcohol-free. And equally, Nalesh keeps me updated on the best science that promotes health and well-being. A lifestyle medicine practitioner, if you don't know, is like a GP that's added the specialism to deliver medicine through lifestyle changes. Like, how cool is this? So rather than prescribing pills, Nalesh might prescribe exercise or sleep or a plant-based diet. I just think it's the way forward and the way that medicine, in many ways, is starting to gravitate towards. This is a fantastic conversation full of fascinating insights. You're going to love this one. It's a great way to finish off the first series. All right, let's do this. Now, before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Yes, we have a sponsor out, The Traps for the podcast and not just any sponsor. Athletic Greens is the most comprehensive daily nutritional drink I've ever tried. And it was really important to me to align with a sponsor that were aligned with my values and a product that I actually used. And genuinely I've been using Athletic Greens for several years now. And I got into it when I first started to transition my diet from a very poor one to an optimal one. And it was listening to podcasts such as the Rich Roll podcast, the Tim Ferriss podcast, and later, rongan Chatterjee's podcast, who are all partners with Athletic Greens. I thought, I've got to give this stuff a try. And it has been a game changer for me. My morning routine, as many of you will know, looks like this. I walk downstairs, fill up a large glass of water, drink it, fill up half full another glass of water, pour in a scoop of Athletic Greens, fill it up to the top, drink that I'm on the bike. Now I know I might have freaked lots of athletic green users out who might be like you can't put the athletic green scoop in the middle it has to go in at the start or at the end but that's the way I like to use it and it's like my nutritional insurance because even with an optimal diet like I have now life gets in the way stressors lack of time travel all of those things are there to trip us up but I know if I've had my athletic greens in the morning I'm like job done and here's the thing, it is packed. Let me give you some of like the science of what's actually going on inside this drink. Each scoop's got around 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, multivitamins, minerals, probiotics, green superfood blends, and so much more. It basically fills all those nutritional gaps. That's why I use it. And this is where it gets interesting for you guys. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system, so they're offering my listeners a free, F-R-E-E, one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. Basically, you'll never have to buy vitamin D again. Right, so whether you're looking for peak performance, you're trying to just level up in your life, you're trying to fill those nutritional gaps, you're an alcohol-free adventurer, trying to replenish your body, right, this is the drink for you. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage. Right, and join the alcohol-free adventurers, athletes, health-conscious go-getters from around the world who make a daily commitment to their health. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Nilesh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, it's great to have you on. It's nice to see you again. We've been lucky enough to to do a bit of work for each other, a bit of reciprocal workshops. I was lucky enough to deliver a talk to your brilliant medical students on my favourite subject, being alcohol-free, and all the wonders and benefits of being alcohol-free, which is a topic I could talk about forever and a day. And I do thank you and all your students for their lovely gift of a book, which for me is really heartfelt, as you can see anyone that's watching this in the backdrop. I'm such a book nerd, worm, whatever you want to call it, that uh, that was a really special gift. So thank you. And equally, You were good enough to deliver a workshop to our ongoing self-development community, the Mind and Body Gym, which was brilliant. It's been one of our favourite workshops that we've delivered all on lifestyle medicine. So as soon as I heard that workshop, I thought, I've got to get Nilesh on the podcast to talk about two things predominantly. One, maybe to tell a bit of your story behind the story, because it's fascinating in all the twists and turns that have led you to what you now do as a lifestyle medical practitioner and high-performance coach. But equally, when we get to that part of the story, to dive a bit deeper into lifestyle medicine, because I think it's something that our listeners would be really interested in knowing more about. So I thought if we start sort of at the beginning, the first call to adventure, what was it that brought you to the vocation, I guess, that is a, a medical practitioner?
1: Thank you so much for that, Andy. I, first of all, just a, a huge gratitude towards you, a huge, huge amount of gratitude and thank you towards you. And I just have to mention that when Andy um, gave the talk to our Southampton medical students, I got out my journal. I was taking notes on how to be a world-class speaker because I love speaking and I'm watching Andy doing it. It was, it was really inspiring. So thank you for that. Thank you for inviting me on my oh, pod. Thank you. So if we journey back to 2000, so actually it's 21 years yeah. ago now, quite a long time ago. I was living in the Netherlands at the time. Um, my my father's work had moved there and i was going to school there i remember i was i was cycling home from hockey practice as you do in the netherlands and it was cycling through this green leafy village beautiful village canal right outside our house and as i came into the driveway i noticed there was a different car there and as i as i opened the door i saw there was a doctor standing in the way and my father was 47 at the time and he was sat in bed the whole left side of his body was paralyzed um he had a a mouth droop strolling and his left arm was was motionless and just it's a memory that you'll never forget Mm. so fast forward 10 years and my my father was actually driving me home from medical school and he was driving the car and as he was driving he he turned to me looked looked right at me but he just lost the ability to, to speak fluently um, a first-year medical student at the time, I thought he was having a mini-stroke whilst he was driving. So yeah. took him to hospital. Yes, it was a mini-stroke. He stayed overnight. And the following day, he had a heart attack as well. So stroke, mini-stroke, and heart attack, all in the space of around 10 years, all under the age of 60, so around 47, and then in his late 50s. And so that really did spark a lot of questions. Like, why... Why do people get chronic conditions? Why do people struggle to manage those conditions? And that really led me onto the path of medicine and onto the path of lifestyle medicine.
0: And just to sort of back up a bit there, and that's a really powerful story in the sense that I can only imagine, you know, witnessing that. And, and my own father was lucky enough. He was on the verge of a major heart attack, which the cardiologist politely described as it wasn't conducive to life a blockage in that artery that's how he phrased it so um, and we found it li- b- b- more by fluke than, than than judgment and treble bypass he has been super healthy and, and radiant and vibrant ever since and I, so I know how these things can come about and, and just it's that that one moment that can change everything and that must have been a big influence on your life but was that the decision to go into medicine? that first um, experience of seeing your your father that way? Was that what led you to to train as a a practitioner?
1: I think it was. I think that there are always grumblings from a very young age that I had this, now I know it as compassion, but I had this real interest in caring and giving and contributing. And, of course, when you're young, you don't know exactly what form that's going to come in. Then my father was in a background in chemistry and my mother was interested in science as well. So you see how that kind of natural progression there. Um once I started to learn about the body, I, I distinctly remember being about sort of 10 years old and on the back of cereal packets they'd have all the vitamins. Um interesting now that the, the companies did that thinking about it, but they had all the vitamins and they said, you know, what what it did in the body. And I remember I'd spent yeah you know, really long time each day just learning about that and being fascinated and curious about the body. So I think that did lure me in towards medicine. Um, and then the second half of that story was what lured me into lifestyle medicine, which I'm sure we we'd get into.
0: Yeah, I'm just interested because there is almost that vocation within the vocation, isn't it? I think the medical profession is that vocational calling. And it was interesting, I was talking to Dr. Alan Desmond, I'm sure you're familiar with a similar story that he was called from quite early, early age really, that empathy, that compassion, that interest to come into the medical profession. And now he finds his meaning and purpose alongside that in being at the vanguard of the plant-based nutritional movement. And I see lots of similarities. Rangan Chatterjee, who we're both huge admirers of and have been lucky to appear on his podcast, similar sort of thing, was slightly disillusioned with you know, not being able to spend enough time with the patients that he was seeing that led him to the podcast, and now this beautiful meaning and purpose that he finds for all the work that he does. And I think your adventure in many ways is very similar. But before we get into that, I'm interested to know that as a relatively recent Uh, graduate I guess what was the educational piece in that medical um, as a medical student in that time did you learn a lot about lifestyle medicine or was it still at the stage where it wasn't really a huge part of the curriculum
1: I went to the University of Southampton and extremely grateful for everything that they did it's an incredible university and actually very forward-thinking considering We certainly did discuss i remember there was a lot of emphasis on motivational interviewing on alcohol on smoking these things were were very clearly spoken about the term lifestyle medicine is a relatively novel term and it's important to mention that so when i went to speak to the university in november of 2019 so pre-pandemic and we spoke about this term lifestyle medicine and running a student selected unit for the third year students there Some of the the older people in the team, um, some of the people in the team were aware that they had been doing a lot of the things within what we'd call lifestyle medicine already. And they brought some fantastic points, which is that what makes us different. Um, But I think we could delve into this. I think the words we use are just extremely powerful Mm. and they carry a lot of meaning. And we know that the meaning that we derive from people like Victor Frankl books we read meaning is is everything really so yeah the the short answer to that is that uh, I think there was some lifestyle medicine training but it wasn't called lifestyle medicine training
0: yeah so it these things were discussed within you know your 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 training as a medical student but there wasn't under a certain umbrella of this is what we can do to help people manage many medical medical conditions or prevent them through lifestyle changes. They sort of just appeared at different stages of your medical training. Correct. Um, Which is fascinating to me, isn't it, that this it's relatively new to group these things together and say, actually, look, we can do so much just by managing these specific elements of our lifestyle to prevent disease and also protect against disease it just it feels almost amazing now having been sort of immersed in this and met people like yourself that this wasn't always like a core element of any medical practice which which i think is fascinating even in like 2021 it's still like you said quite a novel thing what's your take on that do you see this growing and more and more people being drawn towards lifestyle medicine
1: fantastic question so, I've recently taken a bit of a deeper dive into spirituality and some spiritual texts. Mm. Um, and one of the spiritual texts I recently read was um, the Dao De Jing. Okay, so, it's a book written by Lao Tzu, who, yeah. about 500 BC. And in there, he says, you know, three types of work. There's um, work you do to survive, work you do to save, and work you do um, to serve and i think a lot of the time in medicine we had been learning about survival and not so much about prevention which is a safe there or serving which is the if you like population health and creating good health and i don't think that's anyone's fault i think that's just a sign of the times and what was required at the time when the schools were set up what the problems that people were facing were and of course education just like the world like Peter Diamandis would say, the future is faster than you think. Things move lightning speed. Um, yeah. So, I think uh, a, an understanding is very, very important. Something uh, that um, I feel is very important, and as part of compassion, is is understanding. I, I've sat on both sides. You know, I sit in the wellness space, but also in the doctor space, and I can see it from from both sides. And um, so, yes, I think. The med schools were set up for a survival-type um, learning, and that makes sense because the first thing we want to do is make sure that people can survive. And yeah. um, so, acute care was fantastically well taught, and you see the processes set up in hospitals. What we can do for people yeah. in intensive care is is unprecedented, you know. In, in this at this time, it's fantastic what what we're able to do. I hope that answers your question. Does that does that make sense?
0: Yeah, because it's interesting because it, it feels like there's some parallels with positive psychology in many ways. Like traditional psychology evolved out of pathology and helping you know minus fives become zeros, which makes perfect sense because people are in pain or they're suffering, and if you can ease that suffering, just like in the the, the medical profession, that if we can help people that are sick, but in some ways it was sort of almost overlooked a little bit because there was such a need to help people you know, cure the sick or help the minus fives to flats that there wasn't actually that focus on, oh, what about the plus twos? How do we make them plus fives? Or the Mm. plus fives, how do we make those plus eights? And I guess that's how positive psychology has evolved over the last 30-odd years. And it feels like lifestyle medicine is now sort of catching up a little bit to that to go, actually, there's another way to look at this. We're brilliant at what we do in terms of helping people recover or you know deal with sickness but what about this new element what about we look at turning our plus twos into fives and our fives into sevens and actually using lifestyle as a tool to protect protect and help create flourishing vibrant individuals i think that's beautiful
1: yeah no i completely i completely and that really aligns with martin seligman's work right Flourish is the is term yeah. that he uses again and again he's i'm a huge fan of his work i know that you will be too um slight correction on that on that book that I mentioned actually it was the um the go Giver book, which is another fantastic book who identifies those um survive save and serve yeah no i completely i completely see that I think we need the shift from from um just trying to to fight fires to survive mm. to living and thriving. You will have heard these times again and again, but I think people must understand that darkness is just an absence of light mm. and that is exactly what the positive psychology movement teaches us that's what lifestyle medicine teaches us so that the, the, the brighter we shine our lights the less darkness there is whether that's in health whether that's in relationships it's all on this premise that if you engage in daily habits that create health that promote health and move you forward that build in and broader way of thinking like the positive psychology theories would say then there's also this beautiful you know one of our other friends david hamilton speaks about this beautiful ripple effect and i think that's really and definitely something you've created with one year you no know, beer in that you um, improve one person's life they improve five people's life and it just spreads out and out and out and so we're sitting there fighting fires but if you like you say help people flourish And then they serve others, show them the way. And it's back to that old age phase. You know, teach a man, um, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man to fish. And of course, it lasts a a lifetime. So yeah, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with the shift of focus onto flourish. Um, But let me ask you a question. What do you think the biggest challenge is, Andy, with shifting that focus in the wellness industry from, um, or the health industry, from from survival to, to flourishing?
0: I think you sort of touched on it there as you was talking i was thinking myself what's really powerful about that is that we feel powerless around um, medicine for example in the sense that i don't really know what to recommend or how to talk to people about medicine or pills or operations but what i can talk about with real confidence is taking a break from alcohol or what i can talk about is moving your body and so can most lay people they feel comfortable to talk about those things so i think that's what's powerful about lifestyle medicine is that you get it you understand it. it's not a pill it's not an operation it's not a procedure that is completely over your head it's like if you optimize your sleep do you know what it's pretty cool but i feel a bit better i've got more momentum in my life i seem to be a bit happier i'm more productive like people can go and promote that for you That's the really empowering thing, and and you spoke about that ripple effect and the wonderful David Hamilton, and it's so true, and I think that's how it spreads outwards, that the more people actually embrace, I guess, lifestyle medicine or the elements within, and we'll get to those in a second, it empowers them to share it with other people, either directly or indirectly, because I think indirectly is really powerful, in the sense that if you're showing up and your skin's glowing and your eyes are bright and your physique's optimized and you're more positive that flows to the people that you love and who they love and who they love. And I always quote that brilliant research from Nicholas Christakis, who did the, the network research about how emotions flow from networks and habits flow from networks and found that on the negative side, but it works on the positive side. But I always use this flip side because I think it really brings it home that if someone in your immediate circle becomes obese, the chance of you becoming obese goes up by 45%. But if one of their friends becomes obese, it still jumps by 25%. And if one of their friends, 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 three degrees of separation influences your chances of becoming obese by 10%. But let's pause the negative flip that to the positive it's the same like flow out whether that's positive emotions whether that's taking a break from alcohol whether that's stopping smoking whether that's moving your body you know be the positive beacon in your network and push it out i think that's that's the way it spreads anyway i think i absolutely love that i'm so glad i asked you that question
1: (laughs) yeah it's great (laughs) bit of research and it is it's it's something that we all Deeply inherently know to be true as well, right? It's not something yeah. that you have to question. That I mean, the research is helpful. It's not something you have to question that much. And um, one sort of objection or problem. I think it's good to speak about the objections because I know some people listen yeah. to this and be going, yeah, but you know, I, I, I'm glowing, and my dad is still struggling with his health, and he, yeah, why doesn't he get better? And um and as I shared with you, I I know that story very well. And. Um, And I think it's important to just speak a little bit about the difference between empathy and compassion and how they have Mm. different brain signatures and how sometimes the people that we often hear that can feel drained by trying to help other people. And I know this is a big problem in the health industry, in the wellness industry, in the coaching industry. They have their empathy system a little bit wired up, they're a little bit turned up with that. And the empathy area of our brain is the insular cortex, which is the same area that's associated with suffering. So the brain signature is one of suffering. We feel their pain. We feel their energy. The mm. compassion, very interestingly, from research from the Max Planck Institute, they put people through functional MRI scanners and they looked at their brains, trained them in empathy, train them in compassion. What did they find? Well, they found that compassion people are practicing that, it's associated with the same areas of the brain that are maternal associated with reward care love which is just deeply fascinating so the yeah. ventral striatum the medial orbitofrontal cortex so you hear me talk about compassion a lot and it's for that very reason because compassion is not about their reaction it's about your actions and that okay. is deeply empowering so you can feel compassion yeah. someone just through deep listening through understanding through a body position the way you look at someone and and not worry about oh are they actually going to change am i attached to how they feel about it it's it's more about your actions
0: i love that so yeah through your actions you're actually displaying your compassion for your loved ones or your friends or your community or society and i think the greatest motivator of all isn't it is love and I think if you can connect to that, and I'm constantly trying to get people to do that, if you can connect with your actions and the hard work, because it is hard work to change, especially in the environment that we're in and we're constantly bombarded by temptations and all the things that want want us to do the wrong things, if you can be that beacon of light and show that compassion through your actions, that is so powerful. I've not really come across that before. I love that. And that in itself is beautifully compassion. And you're showing compassion to your fellow um, family members or your community how powerful is that what a great motivator that is to transform and do the work yourself
1: yeah I, I you know the deeper and deeper I go I, I love to meditate and it, it's been completely transformative without sounding cliche doing meditation yeah. and the, the the deeper and deeper I go in meditation the more I realise how connected we all are which is just like the research you showed with um, Nicola Christasis and how the, the three degrees of separation. So when you start to feel more connected, it just starts to not make sense to uh, want to witness somebody's suffering without taking action to relieve their suffering, which is what compassion is. Um, so the deeper and deeper you go, you start to, to feel uh, a different level of, of connectedness. And as we will know, you know, books like Johann Hari's Lost Connections, um, many yeah. spiritual texts, those of books, they speak that the root cause of all negative emotions, all difficult situations is disconnection You could say the same thing in the body at a cellular level when our body cells become disconnected then we see dis-ease or disease again another thing that, mm. that someone like Peter Crone would say so I think understanding that the deeper you go within yourself the more it makes sense to to be connected and to practice compassion so i've really emphasized that point but i think if there's one thing that anyone takes from this um is 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 to practice compassion for yourself and others
0: yeah and this is exactly why i wanted you to come on the show because these are really important things they're not like the obvious tip like try and sleep a bit better it's actually a bit deeper than that isn't it it's like express your compassion for others by looking after yourself and i think I do lots of work in in the world of self-development as well, and even that term, it always feels a bit like, oh, it's just for me, it's a bit narcissistic, it's a bit selfish, and I'm always trying to break down that stigma because my belief is, and it aligns with what you've just said, that the most compassionate thing, the best thing that you can do for your loved ones and other people is to develop yourself because then you push out all of those good vibes and those good habits and that positivity to the people that you love. So I think that is absolutely spot on as, as a wonderful tool or technique or tip almost just to take away from this podcast is to express your compassion for others through your actions. And just one thing I wanted to talk to you about there is meditation because meditation is one of these things that I like, I enjoy, I practice. So many people can talk a brilliant meditation game these days but most people still don't do it. I find it's one of those things that, now it's very mainstream, people understand the benefits of meditation, but equally, most people that, that I seem to know in my networks are not quite showing up and making it happen. Why do you think that is? Mm,
1: it's a really good question. I think with any habits or practice, what's more important than the actual thing than the possession or experience of the habit is your intention behind it mm. and that's where i i would say that you know if you're someone who is not that into meditation that, that that's absolutely cool that's fine no problem i i, I recently uh, put up a video and I, I do some talks on things called five intentional actions to change your year and one of them is introspection now that i feel is an absolute must whether you are Doing introspection okay. with meditation with journaling with breath work with yoga anything that's making you reflect and go inwards that is is vital and i think the reason why people find it so hard is because i have a phrase um meditating requires you to be aware of yourself be honest with yourself and very often that's a painful experience to start with
0: yeah
1: but when you look inwards you realise that you are not your mind, you are not your thoughts, and there's something much bigger and um, that you can separate yourself from. And when you do that, that is extremely liberating. I can't tell you how liberating it is. You can, you you see things completely differently. The trees look greener. The, you're able to to enjoy washing up. I remember I used to I used to sit and wash up, and I used to sit and dream and think. Oh, I just no the enjoy day, washing the up, day I just don't have to wash up It's going to be amazing, and I used yeah. to just think like this lack this what's missing in my life, and and now I I love washing up, and it sounds mad. Can you come round my house because our dishwasher's just broken?
0: I'm not joking; it, it's actually broken. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna have to get um, around.
1: I um, I can't say that's the same for every household job, by the way, but certainly with washing up, I find that um, there's there's a phrase in... In medicine of practice which is uh, before enlightenment I used to carry water and chop wood and after enlightenment I now carry water and chop wood. <laughs> so the yeah. the idea of that is just to say that our problems don't go away but how we perceive them and view them does. So it's painful to go inwards, it's painful to be honest with yourself and often people have an association and meaning that pain is bad. But pain is not bad it is only us thinking that it is bad, that creates that judgment, that creates that meaning in ourselves.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so powerful. And exactly that, I would use meditation for the same thing. It's a new skill, it's an ability to deal with a situation in a different way. Just to be present with those emotions, with that pain, rather than trying to press it away or sweep it under the carpet, it gives you this whole new way to deal with something that can be quite difficult. But equally, on the positive side, as you just described, the world changes a bit when you get into meditation in a really powerful way, such as you mentioned about the, the trees look greener. Just recently in one of our groups, someone was talking about the fact they've just noticed the birds singing. Mm-hmm. The birds have always been singing. The birds turn up, trust me, every dawn, every dusk, you'll hear them and, and that chorus erupts, but they've never noticed the difference types of bird song it was just a noise it was a background noise and all of a sudden they started to meditate and it was this massive like realization of I can just now sit in my garden and feel endlessly fascinated by the different songs of birds and I know that might sound a bit like all nice and fluffy but it's so powerful when you get into this stuff I clearly remember when I first started meditating and this is good 10 years ago Wow. and I was still in that rat race type of job you know rushing busy 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 from my house to the station and i really remember it was a powerful experience for me all of a sudden i noticed the flowers and the trees mm. I, I genuinely i had done that rap that rat run for years and years and years mm. never ever noticed the things that were right in front of me the beauty of the different seasons erupting through the flowers or the trees and again, it sounds a little bit, but it's so, it's a beautiful thing. You just turn, like you said, from chopping wood into chopping wood, but it's a different experience now. And I think these are the things that people miss when they meditate. They think it's all about the benefits of, mm. you know, relaxing or de stressing. It's way deeper than that. And you spoke about going levels deeper and realizing that we were connected. I think it's an experience that people should come back to and keep exploring outside of the really obvious. I love Headspace. I love Calm, those apps, and they're wonderful ways to train the habit of meditation, but there's a bit more to it than me, you know, there's more to it than the apps, is the point. I th- I'd i recommend people explore it. There's a nice book, um, How to Find Peace in a Frantic World, by Dr. Mark Williamson, I think, is a lovely book. I don't know if you've got any books you'd recommend on meditation, but I'd, I'd implore people to explore it in more depth.
1: Yeah, I, uh, like I say, I, one thing that meditations really brought so much clarity and and a simplicity in in mind which is Mm. the following point no matter what you want in life whether it's a new house a new car a new relationship it is not the actual physical thing that we truly desire but it is the emotion that comes with that thing and everything that we do all actions we take is training for our mind so every day when you wake up and we flick on and the news is there and it is giving you these terrible emotions of stress anxiety lack etc we're training our mind in that and i'm not saying that to say that it's intentional we shouldn't be held accountable for what we're not aware of and and that's the beauty of meditation you start to become very in tune with your feelings Mm. And when you start to become in tune with your feelings, certain things don't make sense anymore. Like it doesn't make sense to to be combative or to be as defensive. And you know this happens over a long period of time. I'm not saying it happens straight away. Um. So, yes, I would recommend. I I, I started with with um, head headspace and calm. And as often the way, my wife is the one that sort of slightly got me into it. And now I I've I really uh, taken it a lot more um, as part of a as, as part of a daily practice but i actually explored the silver method which is quite interesting and it's quite different in a lot of ways and it came by this premise back in 2020 i was going through a lot of challenges and 20 end of 2019 2020 challenges uh, with my son actually with my son's development he was really struggling with his speech eye contact responsiveness i don't know if there are any people out there who who are parents of, of children who, who had that going on, but um, it was a very painful experience watching a child go through that. And I, I knew I needed to, to mm. um, switch out of a, a judging mindset, a fixed mindset. In some ways, you know, I, I was in a bit of a victim mindset as well, where I thought I was the only one mm. who was suffering from this. Why me, yeah. Um, and so I started to make a commitment that if something felt a little uncomfortable, I would at least explore it and Mm -hmm. i read a lot of books which i looked at the titles and thought oh my god that feels uncomfortable i can't read that Uh, or i listened to the the silver method a method by jose silver and some of the stuff in there with my logical medical hat and i was like oh i'm not sure about this but some of the the techniques from there i I, I use every day now and it's been hugely Hugely beneficial.
0: Can you, um, can you say what they are and what the silver technique is? I haven't heard of that.
1: Yeah. So, Jose Silva, um, so, you know, people say is meditation uh, based out of India or China? Well, this meditation is based out of Mexico, <laughs> Tex Mex, Texas. Right,
0: okay.
1: He was um, very interestingly, he was a, a, an engineer, I think, Jose Silva, and he started to notice that um, a radio engineer, when he reduced the resistance of radios, that they had a much improved functioning. And, and you thought, oh, well, well, the brain's surely electricity. So what happens if we kind of, you know, just dampen down some of that high frequency um, electricity? Uh, as we know now, we can stick electrodes on the brain, and there's four different brain frequencies. There's a little more of a beta, which is the waking state, high frequency. Then you move down into yeah. alpha states, a bit slower. Wellness is what you get to with um, feeling of well-being and that's what you get to with meditation a lot of the time and as you go deeper theta and then even deeper delta which is deep sleep which is actually what helps us restore our bodies every day so anyway Mm. he found that and he started to train his mind and then he started to train his kids and basically the, the whole village started to notice that his children had incredible um, abilities and concentration, attention, focus, but also very interestingly, and you'll see me put out a video about this soon, but in things like intuition as well, which is becoming more and more studied, even the University of Edinburgh yeah. is studying stuff like that. So the Silver Method is, I think, it's, it's a form of meditation. There's a, a period of deep relaxation, as there is in many meditations, but it's an active form of meditation, which attracted me, because I tried the passive forms initially, and i felt um it was a little too difficult to start with and now I'm, i would be, say i'm moving more into that um, so there's visualizations there's things that you'd say maybe affirmations as well um, yeah. and it's all pieced together with, with with various techniques so parts of hypnotherapy i suppose are in there parts of meditation are in there and visualization and the, and it all, it's all pulled together into the the silver method
0: well, wow, yeah, I hadn't heard of that before. It's something I definitely need to explore because, again, some of the more passive meditations I've found a bit more difficult are quite like walking meditation, for example, or yoga, if yoga's done in the right way and it's actually part of a meditation. We have a wonderful um, instructor that works in our mind and body gym called Chris, who's amazing. And it's just like an hour-long meditation and you happen to be moving your body. I think that's a beautiful way to practice yoga. I just wanted to bring you back to something you said there you mentioned about your son and was that around the time i know there was a few things that led you from the traditional path that you was on that well worn path as a as a gp Mm -hmm. towards exploring lifestyle medicine was that a factor in in that decision
1: yeah absolutely it was i think Mm. um my son was definitely a big factor in me exploring personal growth and coaching and what what i do now with that um in terms of lifestyle medicine, it was—I <laughs> the story goes that I—I I was um, finishing my GP training, and I would drive through this beautiful leafy village in in Hampshire called Romsey, and I used to think in my head, "Oh, I'd love to be a, a GP there." And lo and behold, call it synchronicity, call it what you will—a job came up. My friend showed me the um, the job interview. Went for a locum interview. Wow. Completely luckily got offered to buy into a medical practice at the age of 27 straight out of GP training when I went for a temporary job interview there. And I always wanted to to become a GP partner, have a role in in managing the surgery and and the business element of it as well as the um, clinical element. So I thought, as you do, what the heck, you know, uh, I'll go for it. Um, But at 27, I had a, a new job, a new house, a new baby. I had this contract that said that you'll have a job for the next 38 years unless you die or unless you have wow. use, unless you do something really seriously uh, incorrect. And that yeah. brings up a lot of existential questions, right, Andy? Yeah, I mean, you, you've been through that in your job where wow. you just have this stuff and you start to go, is this all there is? What else is there? What, 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 is this really what I, what I want? Um, and so that partnership, I, I ended up um, going through a lot of challenges, which I now know after doing the personal growth work retrospectively was because there was a difference in my values and it makes sense at the time. The little things were bothering me. I just didn't understand why I became consumed by just fear. And and I was just annoyed with so many different things and, but it taught me a a huge amount. And that really Mm. led me as well to question about lifestyle medicine. So are we practicing the way that we want to practice? is the current medical system set up for how i want to serve my patients and then you know in the future as well that sort of led on to the coaching
0: yeah i mean there's so much in what you just said there for me because there is the whole element of we're talking about autonomy at the moment. I'm sure you're familiar with the Whitehall studies and how autonomy. We're talking about this in the mind-body gym at the moment. That lack of autonomy, that sense that you're trapped, the sense that you you can't, you have no volition. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do, you're stuck. I think many people have experienced that in their life is awful for your physical health and and that's what they discovered in the Whitehall studies which was basically in the civil service and they went up all the layers to the top of the tree as it were assuming that those people at the top would suffer the most because they had the most pressure and they had to deal with all the big decisions but it was at the other end you know the, the sort of the clerks and the, the post boys and girls that suffered the most because they felt trapped they had no autonomy over their life so as soon as you were saying that that's exactly how I felt I was on the verge of something very similar I was about to buy that big house in the you know the nice area the, the sort of super duper go for it and I pulled out of that at the last minute because I think I instinctively knew the second I signed on that dotted line I was locking myself you know it was like that 38 year contract I was going to be trapped into something that wasn't going to be good for me and I think it's one of the greatest decisions I ever made um, that I didn't make that step forward. It allowed me the space then to explore these other ideas and here I am. So to hear that in your story, I think, you know, it's incredibly powerful and to find the sort of the courage to come out of that I think is, you know, I think it says so much about you. And, and there's something else I just wanted to come to, that misalignment of values. It's so important. I'm doing lots of work on values myself in, a, in what I do now, making sure the team and myself and everyone is aligned on that same mission because I think you're right. If people are misaligned in their values, it can over time lead to these sort of fractious relationships or that you drift apart. But equally, on that note, most people don't know what their values are unless you do a bit of exploration around that. And I'm sure that's something that you work on right now with your clients, no doubt. And I've got to ask you, Andy, what are your foundational values? This is a question
1: I say to my clients. I ask them, it has to be on their phone. They have to see it. They get bored of me saying, what are your values? (laughs) So what are your uh, foundational values?
0: So my values, I sort of phrase them in a slightly different way. We have like a life force manifesto, which is essentially articulating my values so my values and i, and I phrase them with a B A, so like be you know be mindful or be grateful mm-hmm. be an athlete um be loved and love be generous be kind be an athlete um these are the sort of core values that that i would hold and i would write those out every single day and connect with them on a daily basis to, to be mindful. And when I'm writing Be Mindful, I'm writing Be Grateful, I'm trying to connect with those values. I'm trying to feel it like in my bones as I write it. Because what I realized is that, and you just touched on this, if you don't do that work, you forget so quickly, even though these things should be like burnt into your soul, you forget that life comes along and you get busy and you make decisions and snap decisions when, if you reconnect with those values every day, you can drive your intention and in purpose like through that filter of those values. I think it's incredibly, incredibly empowering. So it's something I do on a daily basis and I make that part of my journaling routine is what I would do.
1: I absolutely love that. So kind, athlete, I think you said gratitude or generous. So that that those, those are really beautiful things and amazing to embody and, and I can 100% see that because I can see you every day commitment accountability on instagram showing us that your your athlete um, style identity being kind i know that to be true just from my interactions with you so yeah it's amazing isn't it when you articulate that and it it does start to make sense um for me lo and behold what uh, would anyone guess my number one value is is of course compassion um yeah there's a story behind each of these values and that's important that 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 was a very a very you know it was again, one of those things that was really out of my comfort zone. I had to ask, do I really have to write this down? Do I really have to write down the mm-hmm. story about what, what what I value? But it has been the most incredible experience. Because, you know, when you write something, the confusion goes, the clarity emerges. And there were, you know, there are many moments about compassion, but there was one particular moment. And I remember it so clearly. It was a, a patient in their fifties, very successful entrepreneur who was Really suffering, suffering with headaches, came to see me. I was busy, stressed, behind. Twenty minutes behind in clinic. Um, really struggling. Really I had papers all over the desk. I had a, a project going on to reform the whole appointment system of the surgery. There was changes in the staff. I was getting emails pinged on my screen whilst I was talking. These are all the things that GPs, I'm sure, and other other people will will relate to. Anyway, um, I noticed that this lady needed urgent treatment um, for her eye so she, they, they had um, some some floaters in her vision and new onset floaters we usually get assessed to see if the back the jelly of the back of the eye needs to has come away and needs to be dealt with that day but the truth is is I didn't really show any awareness of their suffering I didn't mm. give any agreement in the meaning of their circumstances I didn't I wasn't on my A game and I didn't take any action to relieve yeah. uh suffering and this is the hard bit i realized that i was working through my agenda my ego my needs and i made a commitment that day that when i started to see people were moving forward that i was going to make an awareness of someone's suffering being compassionate the primary focus of that interaction and even though there are other things that need to be dealt with like emergencies etc it's very important to see things from other people's point of view a lot of what I'm sharing here isn't new you know you you hit Dale Carnegie in the 1920s he'd say the same things the ability for you to see things from someone else's point of view that's empathy and then act on it that's compassion that is that's really what that experience taught me and so I believe that that is the most important skill for for a modern clinician or, or a coach even So that's compassion. I won't go through all the stories because it'll take a while, but my next value is openness. And then my next value is challenge. And I believe, you know, those three kind of add up to what you see me post about very frequently, which is growth. Um, Mm. So compassion, openness, challenge, and growth, they're my foundational values.
0: See, I love this. And this is, again, why it's nice to have these conversations and hopefully people listening are really thinking about this because I would wager that most people have never paused to actually think, What are my values? What do I hold most dear? And actually anyone that trains with me on the 28 day online live courses, it's a big part of what we do. It's one of the first things that we do is actually help people extract those values so they can connect with them on a daily basis. And I love what you did there to tell a story behind each of those values, because then even if you're writing out that value, whether that's compassion or growth or whatever it is, There is that story that comes to mind so you can do it very quickly on a daily basis like i do and actually you know there's much more to that word than just writing it on the page and i think if you can get back into that mindset and feel it in your bones like you said you're much more likely to go out into the world and operate through the lens of those values and that's a really beautiful thing when we're aligned with our values i think that's when we feel most full we're like whole as a person. I think we're on our A game. As you suggested that you weren't on that day, I think that's where we find flow. I think that's where we find meaning. We find purpose. When we're aligned with what it is we hold most dear. But if we don't know what it is we hold most dear, how can we know if we're aligned or equally misaligned? Yes. And lots of people find themselves misaligned, don't they? They, they look at their values and go, wow, I'm not living to any of my values. I mean, That's a big, really big thing. And just... On that note, and now we're sort of drifting into that place of high performance that you've now gone from lifestyle medicine, right, which is, which is, you know, really cool that's taking you on this adventure away from the mainstream, I guess, of, you know, GP practitioner and overcome that big obstacle that was in your life, i.e. a 38-year contract, um, and now you've drifted towards um, high performance coaching. How are you blending all that together? How does that work?
1: thanks for asking it to me it made perfect sense because what i mm. the, the progression was that i knew i needed a different way of practicing and um, medicine and that was yeah finding a way to prevent treat, and reverse chronic conditions so that's the definition of lifestyle medicine but of course as many people would know it's not quite as simple as you just recite loads of studies to your patients and lo and behold they they change and you know everyone gets better and so that led me to have a a lot of questions about yeah what's what drives people to make the decisions that they make you spoke about autonomy freedom you know mastery is another drive and other drivers of course um, relatedness and connectedness so I started to delve deeper into psychology and coaching and everything just kept drawing me to coaching now you'll know that I left my medical practice at the time I was very blessed to have a coach through the NHS leadership Academy and again whether you believe in synchronicities coincidences I out of the blue received a text message from that coach a year later saying hey there's some coaching training do you want to go along went along absolutely loved it and then set up my business as a coach but had this gap between where i wanted to be and where i am now and i stumbled across the high performance institute which was the first sort of science-backed Program with the world's largest study, most extensive study on high performers. So, 1.6 million surveys, 190 countries, um, over 70,000 recorded sessions with data on each of those. And my logical medical brain was like, oh, I like that. I like the data in there. Yeah. And then my emotional side saw the definition of high performance, which is succeeding beyond the standard norms consistently over years whilst maintaining positive relationships when mine were not so good at the time. I was thinking right i could Mm. do with that life satisfaction mine was not so good at the time as well i could do with improving that and well-being that one i'd taken care of a little bit with lifestyle medicine so it it all just made sense to me at that stage i thought well this this is everything that i've been interested in it aligns with my values it allows me to be more autonomous i think in the medical field it is quite difficult to be autonomous and practice with freedom Um, and so in the coaching space, it is much easier to do that. So that's what led me to high performance. And now, if I was to sum up what I do, people say, "Oh what do you do is. Uh, if, if I sum up what I do in one sentence, it's "I help compassionate entrepreneurs reach their highest potential without sacrificing their freedom."
0: Wow. Now, for me, this is rocket fuel because what you've done is taken you know, the GP practice, which has led you into lifestyle medicine, but equally then have been smart enough to realize that actually people don't just change their behaviors. Therefore, coaching, for example, is amazing for doing exactly that, is to giving you those new skills that you wouldn't have traditionally got through your medical training to actually coach people and help people in a different way to take on board all the lessons that you've learned through lifestyle medicine, because it's not like taking a pill, is it? That's the big difference Mm -hmm. between the two. You don't just take a pill, you optimize your sleep or you optimize your nutrition. It's so much harder. So there's a much bigger piece to it on an individual basis than just saying, take those three times a day. You've got to learn the skill of putting a framework in and holding people accountable and showing them how to manage and change in their own life. But the marriage of those two things it's really powerful. I think that's that is a beautiful thing and I think it's so important that you've done that because I think a lot of people will get stuck. I'm sure there's lifestyle practitioners that are probably stuck in that space of, oh, I know what it is people need to do, but I can't bloody well get them to do it. I mean, I think that's probably the experience for a lot of medical practitioners, isn't it? It's like, well, they could go and do all this lifestyle stuff, but They're probably not going to go and do it. So, look, there's just some pills anyway. I'm sure that's what's in people's mind. But I love the fact that now you're thinking, actually, do you know what? I believe people can make change and I can help coach them to make those changes so they not only improve their well being, but also you can lead them towards high performance. I think that is rocket fuel, my friend. I absolutely love it and I'm thrilled. And that was with Brendan Bouchard as well, who I'm a great. Um, fan of i must admit And we train our own accredited coaches now in the Ar- arate way it's, it's the thing that i'm getting one of the most joy out of at the moment taking people that are on this self-development adventure and then giving them the skills and the tools so they can go into their niches like you've done for example we've got people with niches like helping people with tinnitus uh the menopause healthcare workers it's Amazing. a isn't it a beautiful Amazing.
1: thing it's a fantastic go thing. Out and
0: and go into the world and all of us collectively move the needle and help other people. And I think you mentioned this right at the start of the podcast. There's that calling, isn't there? You, mm. you said from a young age, you just had a sense you sort of wanted to to help people and give back. And I guess that's what you're doing right now.
1: Wow. Well, I feel very touched with this. And I think, um, sometimes I haven't paid so much attention to, and I think it's important I do this, to all of the unbelievable inspirations that lead to the point, and I feel like, by the way, I'm only literally just starting. Let's make that absolutely clear. There's you no, know, I'm really just starting here, but um, I'm going to talk about a few specific examples. So, I remember very clearly, um, I'm also quite into cooking, I love cooking, and um, when I was sort of training as a doctor, I used to sort of dream and talk about, oh, I love to, um, cook and infuse medicine with it and people would laugh and joke say oh no she's a bit crazy like said so, infuse these sort of various different interests anyway i, I was at home one day and my wife came down she handed me a copy of the bjgp and there was dr rupee Adula on the front cover and it's like you know a gp who's cooking and there was this amazing article in there and i read it and i bought his book and i thought this guy is incredible wow what mm. a fantastic service he's done through um, letting his after he had had atrial fibrillation and then went on and produced YouTube videos and and I looked at the 200 studies in there and I thought wow this this is unbelievable and I tipped my hat to him and I thought that is so inspirational and I could not have done anywhere near as good of a job even though it was in my head yet at the same time I also felt that I was a little bit there was just one electron within me that was similar. And I thought, oh, I, mm. I don't know what it is at that time. But I, I knew I had that desire to serve and give back. And so I kept doing this, Andy, and encourage everybody to do this. Remember, I spoke about the importance of being connected. Yeah. Look for the commonalities over the differences. So many people look at other people and they go, oh, I don't have that. I'm, I'm not as good as that. I can't do that never forget that we all started from a very similar place we, we we've all been frustrated we've all gone through pain we've all had suffering we've probably all had loss and you see these people who have achieved incredible things wrong and chatterjee weepy our friend Gemma Newman, plant power doctor and they've all been through that that period of suffering and yet there was a point where they started to to look for those commonalities over the differences so yeah i thank you so much for what you said but i must pay as well my mum huge inspiration she gets a shout out on a lot of things she yeah. had me reading stephen covey's book when i was 13 stephen covey for teens. so yes the, the, the journey is is actually so much longer than anyone can can um, imagine um, and my father and my wife and so there, there are a lot of people that that have been extremely helpful and, and nothing ever happens by itself i think it's, it's important to mention that
0: yeah, that's a really beautiful way, I think, to draw this conversation to a close. It's an adventure, and there these wise guides that appear when the, the, the student is ready, the teacher appears, and I think we're all grateful to many of those people, friends, families, and thought leaders, and big thinkers that we've met along the way, and that's why I think podcasts are, are, are just amazing tools to allow us to connect with people like yourself, and hear some of your wisdom which you've imparted today, which genuinely, I think, will make a difference in people's lives. And we have to come back and do this again, because we haven't really even gone near, you know, some of the elements within lifestyle medicine, such as sleep and, you know, uh, taking a break from alcohol and all those wonderful things I like to talk about. So we'll come back and do that again, most definitely, my man. But thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you today.
1: I thank you so much for having me, and it will be my pleasure to come back. Andy, you're doing some amazing things. Uh, Just a little word in your coaches I've been following a lot of them and I see what they're doing and and that's also brought a big smile to my face seeing that um we've just got so many advocates out there spreading light spreading goodness um so thank you thank you for that and believe in growth everybody make sure you believe in growth no matter what you do
0: there we go believe in growth we'll leave it there I'll see you again soon take care If you enjoyed this episode, please check out the shorter episodes, which are clips from my daily live show, The Fun Side of the Island with Andy Ramage, that you can join every day at 7.15am BST by following at Andy Ramage Official on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube, search for Andy Ramage. Also, for the first time ever, I'm now training double accredited coaches in my unique coaching blueprint. Go to andyramage.com and check out courses for more information. And if you'd like to train with me on my latest online live course, The Arate Way, also head to andyramage.com courses. I'll make no secret of it. I would love to train with you, so let's make it happen. And I thank you for listening. It's deeply appreciated. The best thing you can do to show some love to the podcast is to click subscribe or follow. And don't forget the sponsors, Athletic Greens, who are giving our listeners a free year supply. Yes, free Year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage and sign up. And I love it most of all when you share the episode you enjoy it on social media. You can just take a screenshot as you listen and then put it out and tag me in at Andy Ramage Official on Facebook and Insta. You're amazing. Finally, you can sign up to my free newsletter where I share exclusive posts along with things I'm enjoying such as podcasts, books, quotes, TED talks and much more. And many of you message to say this is your favourite thing that I produce. So please check it out by going to andyramage.com and there is an option to sign up at the footer of every page. As always, a massive thank you to Matt McCormick for producing the podcast and thank you to Austin Sweetman for your digital promotions. You can find me on team at at andyramageofficial on Insta and Facebook, and Andy Ramage on YouTube. See you back here soon for another episode. Let's do this.